I'm Lauren. And I'm Austin. We're an interracial couple raising a biracial daughter and have regular conversations about the value of our different experiences and how we want to raise our child. We believe that God made people of different ethnicities for His glory alone. But like many other things, sin corrupts. We have made a mockery out of what God meant to be good. And in comes racism, a very real problem plaguing our hearts and minds and therefore invading systems of this world. So we decided to hit the record button as we discuss race, division, unity, and how to live a life in opposition to this sin specifically. We hope you'll join us as we dive headfirst into current topics, discuss ways to live a life against racism, and ultimately seek on earth as it is in heaven, a place that will be filled with people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. You're listening to Grace and Race, a podcast about practicing anti-racism and promoting unity in families and communities. What it do? Ever done. <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying I'm gonna do something different now I get nervous and just go back <laughs> just to the same it. old thing. That's why I told you to start, because I knew I would say the same thing that mm. I do. Anyways, hope you guys have had a good week. Yeah. It has been a big one. It's been a big month, <laughs> just with everything going on in the news and just so much to think about. Um, yeah, there's been there's been a lot kind of on our minds. And last week we talked about getting together with family and and just people and having conversations about race and and this week we have seen and and it was it was happening last week but this week we've seen a major increase and and the spread of coronavirus just continuing so we are praying for you guys as you discern what you're doing for Thanksgiving and for Christmas and and we're doing the same thing in our own lives uh, missing out on some things mm-hmm. that we normally love and so anyways if you if if you need some encouragement in this season or anything please reach out to us because i think we could probably all use a little bit of that from time to time and especially especially in the season that we're in right now facts 100 mm. Well, guys, thanks for coming back week after week. And if you're new here, welcome. Hey, glad to have you. Um, we are so invested in these conversations. They, they make a big difference in in all of our lives, I think, as we grow with one another and talk with one another. And I hope that, that this podcast has been encouraging for everybody in that, yes, I think we, we all get to call ourselves out every now and then, and that's important, and it's hard, but also we can grow from there. And so I hope that there's a lot of growing and a lot of learning happening from this podcast. Yes, 100%. Uh, I, I echo everything you just said. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys, if you have been with us or if you enjoyed this episode, would you please do us a solid and rate and review this podcast in in Apple Apple Podcasts. Hey. That would be really helpful. It helps us kind of get the word out and make sure that people are hearing about us and seeing us. And so, yeah, we would we would love for you guys to do that and we really appreciate in advance anybody who does do that. And we would love to read some of those reviews on this podcast. So, um, if you do that, then we'd 
may shout you out on here. Okay, so today we are going to be talking about another hard kind of conversation, but again, I just, I, I think that it's important that we all kind of come to this conversation humbly and in a place where we're willing to like really take a look at ourselves and ask why we say the things that we do. Hmm. So you may have noticed the title of this podcast. Actually, I haven't decided on a title. You'll it'll it'll you'll know it. <laughs> it will already be decided <laughs> decided by the time you see this. But something along the lines of did I just say something racist? Oh. Yeah, I, I've asked myself that question before and Austin, I know you've been around people when they've probably asked themselves that question. Mm. Have you ever noticed like the look on someone's face when they realize they just said something offensive? Yes. What is that like in the moment for you on the other side of that conversation? Well, I just don't know where they're coming from. I don't know if like they're more concerned about looking racist or more concerned about hurting my feelings. Mm. You know, and I think there's a difference between the two. So if people were genuinely concerned about me, that look isn't as, you know, sad or upsetting to see. But when you could tell someone just wants to keep their name pretty and that's their biggest focus, then it it just kind of makes the whole situation awkward. So can you just remind us what the definition of racism is or how we're defining racism? Yes. So we're looking at the context of the U.S., And racism, when we're using that word today, we're specifically talking about white supremacy. That's how the nation started, uh, and that's how it progressed for hundreds of years. For example, there was a time where black people didn't even have, I I hate to say luxury or right to even be racist, right? There would be consequences if you were doing anything right. So uh, we talk about white supremacy, anything that upholds white supremacy directly, indirectly, inadvertently, um, anything of that nature. That's what we're working from today. So then what would you say is the difference between racism and prejudice? So when you're prejudging somebody, the prejudiceness does not impact power dynamics. So, for example, if a black person, if I'm prejudiced against you, right, Mm -hmm. you're a white person, I'm prejudging you, it doesn't have to be rooted in racism, white supremacy to do that. It could still be wrong. We shouldn't do it. But I could be prejudging you out of fear and out of, oh, my goodness, are you racist? Are you adding to people hurting me and uh, wanting me to um, experience, I guess, a lesser life because of the color of my skin? So that's why we can't call prejudice the same thing as racism in the context of the U.S. Okay, so piggybacking off of that, I have a question. Okay. So is it possible for a white person to be prejudiced against a black person or in our context, is it all defined as racism? That's a great question. So there is a way where you can prejudge a black person and it not be promoting white supremacy. The problem is it could be tearing down black people. So for example, if you prejudge in your head, well, you know, black people, they're just lazy. You know, they that's just how they are. You're not thinking actively white people are better what you're saying is black people are lower so it could still be 
it could still t- tickle, or I guess what's the, what's the word? It could still touch white supremacy, but it may not seem as advert. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't really came across times where a white person has prejudged a black person, and it wasn't pointing to some form of white supremacy actively or maybe inactively. So is it? do you think it's possible to be prejudiced without realizing that it has anything to do with white supremacy? Yeah, yes, that's the best way to say it. And I, I want to reverse what I'm saying. That's the better way to phrase it. It's possible to prejudge without knowing it has anything to do with race. Hmm. That is so possible. Just to like clarify with you guys, we don't practice these conversations before or really come in with any like I come in with a few questions and then Austin answers but we're processing these things along with you guys right here so as we process we hope that that's that's helpful for you guys and I don't know necessarily what he's gonna say I have an idea because I've been married to him five years ago we got engaged yesterday um yeah because we know each other but I'm learning alongside you guys and we're processing these things together just a little side note. Okay, next question. This is going to get us a little bit more into our topic. Austin, can you define for us what a microaggression is and what it has to do with racism and prejudice? So basically a microaggression is when it's a lot of times an inadvertent or maybe a subtle shot at um, someone someone's past or present or future dealing with racism. So let me give you an example. A microaggression could seem as a positive on your end, but it's going to hit a nerve for the black or brown person you're talking to, and it's going to remind them about racial tensions or racial shortcomings or uh, racial injustice, things of that nature. So, for example, when people are so quick to call black people athletic. Oh, they're so athletic. They're so good athletes. I mean, look, good genes. Look at their body. That's not, that. that's very uncomfortable as a black person because we know our bodies is one of the reasons that got us to the U.S. That was a part of free labor was people noticing our bodies and noticing our structure and our physique. Oh, they'll be great workers. So that's very... Um, disturbing uncomfortable when people keep harping on all their bodies their bodies their bodies are so good right and also when you look at like our history with police that's the very thing that gets us shot and killed at higher rates is our bodies because we're great athletes so we can hurt them hurt people faster we're more deadly or we're more violent or we're more whatever the stereotype is so us having great bodies or being assumed prejudged to have great bodies that seems like a compliment probably you like i'm saying you're athletic it hits a different nerve for us who think about race and have experienced race on the negative end time and time again. So what you're saying is kind of just tying it back that we can say something that might be a microaggression and not really realize that it is pointing back to white supremacy to the person on the other side. Correct. Okay. That's really helpful because for me, I didn't know what a microaggression was for until I was a freshman in college and learned about it because through basically through speech and through having friends who talked about what these things are. So if this is not a word that you've heard before, or maybe you've heard about it, but you don't really know exactly what it is, or maybe you don't know exactly 
what it means or how to apply knowledge of it in your life, stick around with us because um, I, I'm going to give examples of times that I've used those. And I think the other thing just to point out is that, and we're going to get even more into this, but none of us are immune to saying something that's potentially hurtful to someone else, right? I mean, have you ever <laughs> said something? I mean, I think we can all relate to those moments. You're in a moment, someone's telling you about something in their life. Maybe it's, I don't know, for an example, something about how they have a sick parent. Or, oh, I have, an, I have a thought. Where you're with someone, right? You're having a conversation with someone. And maybe this person is recently married. Maybe this person has been married for a little while. And you just like casually ask like, hey, so when are you guys going to have babies? Well, that person you don't know has been trying to have babies for a long time. Your heart was in the right place, yeah. right? You didn't mean anything mean by that by any means, but it was still hurtful. Right. Yeah, you don't really know about what's going on beneath the surface. That actually mm. happened to me. Um, mm. The week that I was miscarrying, someone asked me, I can't remember exactly how they worded it, but they just said, have you guys got any babies in your future? Mm. And they had no idea what was going on. Um, and, and, and I don't hold... You know, I, I don't hold that against them in this moment, but it was, it did, it, it stung. It, it hurt. Stung. Yeah. So this is something that people, and, and I will say, Austin, just clarify this. We're, we are talking specifically about microaggressions in the black community in America. Right. But there are microaggressions that go, that, my, that is a term that can span across all kinds of situations, right? Yeah, and if you want like a, def, a definite um, ex explanation. I mean, I would look it up. I'm telling you my personal e explanation on how right. I handle and how I define microaggressions. Right. And this podcast is again specifically about racism in the American context, in the white supremacy context. And so, um, yeah, we can definitely have different types, but we're going to hone in and focus on these. And what I would just say is that if you hear words that you have said, then this is an opportunity, not an opportunity to dwell in guilt, but an opportunity to say, okay, this was wrong. I understand that now. I see that now, and I'm going to do better in the future, and then I'm going to help teach other people too. So, yeah, we're not calling these things out in order to promote, like, oh, you should feel so bad for saying that. But this is how we change our language and then help others, and, and that's how we practice anti-racism in this specific scenario that's good awesome okay so i'm gonna just like shout out some things and austin's gonna respond and and how he would feel in those moments and i might piggyback on some of these things just like again having said most of them before <laughs> and uh, maybe actually all of them i've uh, i've probably said all of these things or if i haven't said it i've at least thought it yeah. But the first one, actually, you know, very first, guys, I'm going to give a personal example. I'll just, like, start out that way that way we can, we can relate and you guys can hear me say, like, I am not immune to this at all. I said of multiple people, not just Austin, 
but I even said it about Austin, something about, oh, you're not really black, or you're white on the inside, and specifically, I called Austin a Choco Taco, which I just like, guys, I've been mortified about (laughs) ever since, and so... Austin, whenever someone has said that to you, called you an Oreo, called you, oh, you're not really black, what does that bring up inside of you? Yeah, so a lot of times when I'm told I'm not really black, it has something to do with how I speak. And so the correlation between speaking in a clear manner being a white thing, that that upholds white supremacy, you know? The way I dress, if I dress more like corporate America, oh, you dress like a white boy. So I look successful on the outside and that's white. Interesting. So again, you're adding to white supremacy that the best I could be is a reflection of you. Like that's the best I can sound. That's the best I can dress. That's the best I can like pop culture. You know, it's just increasing um, that thought in my head that the more white I am, the more right I am in this society. And that's obviously not correct. And that's hurtful. So what about whenever somebody says, oh, you're so articulate? Yeah, it's, it's tough because I think first, thank you. But then second, I think, oh, goodness, would you have said this to a white speaker? Would you say this to a white person? Am I just impressing you because I'm above the stereotype that you have of black people in your mind? Like, am I the first person that broke that stereotype in your life or first person you're around that broke that stereotype? I get kind of get that sweaty, like, oh, I really hope they're not thinking that or that's not the subtext. That's not the subconscious. Um, that's where my mind goes for that one. Mm-hmm. That's helpful. Like I said, I've had a lot of conversations where that, oh, that person's an Oreo or, you know, he's black, but he's not really black, has come up. And and I think that that's probably one that a lot of us have thought more about, especially in recent years and in in this year, about how that might be hurtful. But, But I think that we could always kind of like even go deeper into that about why 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 is that such a hurtful thing to say because I just didn't I just didn't think about it for a long time and I'm sad about that because there's no telling how many people um, I might have hurt by making a comment like that at some point Hmm. so another one that you kind of shared with me earlier is whenever you're talking about racism with someone and they just say I will just agree to disagree. How does that affect you? Yeah, so agree to disagree is about opinions. Whenever I give you my experience, why are you disagreeing with my experience? I don't get that, especially when it's about race. It's so hurtful. I tell you about the cops being called on me and how it was bogus. It was a lie and two white you know, people laughing about it, thought it was funny. And my heart's racing and I'm terrified. And and I explained that to someone. Well, I, I just, let's agree to disagree. I don't think it had anything to do with race. And I'm telling you right now as a black person, like, 
the way I experienced that moment, it was scary, terrifying. And the idea of, well, you know what? My heart races too as a white person when I get pulled over by the cops. So it's the same thing. Let's just agree to disagree. That's being okay with not trying to empathize with someone else, not trying to sympathize with someone else, not trying to wear someone else's shoes. And that's problematic and hurtful to a black person because it doesn't feel like you actually care about us. You want to just see how you've mustered through tough times in your life and you've wrestled through your own microaggressions and the lack of love and empathy and sympathy is just painfully obvious and so it's just so hurtful it it doesn't bring people together I don't know anybody who has poured their heart out to a white friend a black person (laughs) it's like hear me please hear me and they said let's agree to disagree and it turned out well like I just don't know I don't think that's that's healthy Mm. for people who are hurting Okay, what about this one? This is not one we talked about before, so it's just off the cuff. What if what if someone asks if they can touch your hair? Oh, oof. I grew up in a suburb in middle school, and I had waves. I had, like, thick waves where I didn't even have to brush my hair. Like, they were just there. Really, really strong. And so when people touched my hair in middle school, I loved it. Cause I thought I was like, it looked like they valued me. Like they valued a part of me. Like, Oh, that's so cool. Like that was the language. It wasn't like making fun of it. It wasn't like, what the heck is that? It was like, Oh my gosh, you have waves. Like that's so cool. So I used to love it all the time. Um, now that I'm older, it's very pet like, and I don't like that. Like we, we pet dogs and we, you know, pat their hair and animals and, Oof, knowing the history of us being, you know, reduced to animal life or put on the same level as animal life, that makes me feel nervous and that makes me feel uncomfortable now because I know the history, right, of us being called monkeys and baboons and, you know, that reference there and coons, you know, that that's another word for us. And, you know, like you said, dogs. Dog life being more important than uh, black human life. I, I know our history, and that's just terrifying to me. Mm. And again, it's this, the person who's asking to touch your hair is probably not thinking about all of those things, right? No, no. I mean, very rarely would somebody have that kind of history and that knowledge. You know, it, it takes intentional learning because a lot of times our school systems don't teach this stuff. This is what we call off the books. <laughs> mm. And so a lot of very smart historians don't understand how problematic a lot of these sayings are and why it can point us back to some dark, dark times. Mm. So this next one, I'm like a little bit hesitant to even bring up just because I know that people who we love listen to this podcast and people who we love have said this to us to you and me before and so if you're listening to this and you've said this specifically to me and Austin I just want you to know that I we are not trying to hurt or like call out in such a way that would be hurtful but but this is something that we've heard by lot from lots and lots of people and again again just to reiterate something that I said before I knew better 
and and I don't know that it's something that a lot of us think about again just because of of how often I hear it so if you don't know Austin and I have a one-year-old 18 month old named Eden we've got a little boy on the way and as we have well really before we started our family building we heard a lot of comments about our kids and what they would look like and one specific thing that kind of I think gets probably thrown around a lot in a lot of different ways is oh my gosh biracial babies are the cutest or mixed kids are the cutest so some form of that specifically talking about black and white babies being the cutest babies and I again I think that it comes from a very innocent place most of the time when people say it but Austin when you hear that how does it make you as a father feel it again conflicted so I go thank you so much that's sweet but I also again your heart races a little bit because it's like oh if you know there's two sides white and black which one's making which one's adding the cute factor like which one's that you know are you thinking the white side is a great mix to have a black you know is that is that like save it you know what i mean i I just wonder if you were black will we get your kids are going to be so cute you know i just Mm -hmm. wonder if i was black yeah if you were black yeah and again that one it's so tough because our history like mixed like we always want to say like act like babies weren't mixed for a long time like they were like the way the and people are like why are you keep going back to slavery is like because that's our history and that's slavery wasn't the issue slavery showed the issue mm. it, slavery wasn't the issue it, slavery showed what the issue was which is this idea of white supremacy that's always been the problem Slavery is just a byproduct of white supremacy. Because white supremacy exists, of course, you're going to make black people your slaves and treat them like animals and property. It's because you have white supremacy. That doesn't happen without that first. So I always go back to it's like, man, you know, it's documented. White slave owners raping, you know, black women enslaved, having kids who are biracial. That's been happening for a long time. And biracial babies were afforded um privileges the chances of you being a house slave versus a field slave was much higher meaning you could work inside which the conditions were way less toxic than outside still terrible and dehumanizing but i mean you had some perks you know we know about the the brown paper bag test we know about this history we know it and so it does Make your stomach drop a little bit like, oh, I really hope they don't mean it like this, even if it's in their subconscious. So what if they're like responding right now in their minds? Because this is again, this is how I would have responded. It's like, oh, no, no, no. I didn't mean it that way. I mean, you know, biracial babies, are they're cuter than white babies. Yeah. yeah. How would you respond to that? I would say that phrase, again, makes black people uncomfortable. And that's just that's just a part of it. It doesn't matter how awesome of a person you are, how sweet you are, how kind you are. Just know you're probably doesn't mean you always will, but you're probably gonna make a black person feel uncomfortable if they hear that. Mm-hmm. 
You're going to make them feel uncomfortable. Okay, so. Probably. Let's, like, kind of go into the future that we don't know a little bit and say Eden and our son look very different. Maybe one is darker skinned than the other. Maybe one has coarser hair than the other. If someone looked at our child with maybe finer hair and said, oh, you got the good hair, what would that imply to you? And how would, again, that make you feel as a father? And how might that make our child feel? Yeah, again, it's a subtle thumbs up to white supremacy. You know, the good hair, the straight hair. It's just tough when you're making something good that is culturally white. That's just, that's not, that's not wise. And hair is such a strong part of the black community. You know, it's all the way in our roots, even before we got, came to this country. Because before we were brought here, you know, hair, go back and look. Hair has always been literally heritage, right? Like, it's been a big part of our bloodline, history, art. Um, and it's just one of those things where, if you don't affirm all types of hair, it's going to rub someone the wrong way when they hear you praise white hair. Mm. It's just, you're going to put them in that space like, oh, dang. Yeah. I had a friend who talked to me about that before we got married, Austin, um, who sat, kind of sat down with me and told me a little bit about her experience being biracial. Um, and she had a younger sister who did have coarser hair and darker skin than she did and people would regularly say that to my friend like oh you got you had such good hair and then not say anything to her sister who is standing right there and she told me about like every single time it just knocking at her at her younger sister and the way that that made her feel whenever somebody was just trying to compliment my friend they didn't realize how they were making the person right next to her feel. Mm. And I, I, that has really stuck with me, especially as I think about raising my kids and, and how, how I'm going to talk about their different features and what I'm like, what I'm going to say and what I'm going to not say and what I'm going to be really intentional about because cause I know that my tendency is just to talk, right? And then something hurtful could come out very easily. And so we have to be, I think it all comes back to intentionality in this isn't just something that is easy, right? This isn't changing our language and making sure that we're not using hurtful language isn't something that's just going to come naturally and be easy to most of us because this is something that's very ingrained in our culture so much so that we don't even realize that it's happening. So while some of these things could be intentionally hurtful if they come out of certain people's mouths, just because they're not intentionally hurtful doesn't mean that they're not still hurtful. And it takes a lot of intention and a lot of effort to try to not do that, to not be that person. Again, little side note. Okay, we're going to move on to, again, some more, some more of a broad spectrum. So, Austin, if somebody says to you, oh, I'm not racist, I'm, I'm colorblind, I don't see color, how does mm. that make you feel? So the intention is pure, I think. You're basically saying, I don't judge people by color, and I think that's awesome. But to say you don't see it, it feels very disingenuous. So whenever you're telling a lie, whether it's a full lie or a half lie, 
that's not a great way to build a relationship right so you see color very few people are colorblind if you're at a stoplight you know when it's green you know when to go you know when it's red you know when to stop so you're not colorblind you're saying you don't judge off of color that's awesome say that say i don't judge based off color say that to not see um is why there's less ears right now during this time for black people who are hurting you are admitting i don't see i don't look at race i don't value, i don't comprehend that i'm not even going to acknowledge it and that means you're not going to acknowledge the cries you're not going to acknowledge the hurt you're not going to acknowledge the frustrations and if you want to be in community and that's the that's the key and that's the convicting question do you want to be in community with black people who think differently than you and who have you know terrible experiences with race and dealing with generational trauma like do you want to be in a relationship if you do to see a black person is good to acknowledge that they're black that's a good thing and biblically speaking it's a, it's a great thing to see color it's just like the bible says it's terrible to judge based on color and i think that's a more accurate tale of the scriptures if we're being honest so awesome what if what if i were to say you know we're having a conversation and you pointed out something that i said that was wrong or hurtful and i came back at you and i said austin you know i'm not racist i'm married to you or really any kind of form of i'm not racist i have my children are black or i'm not racist my best friend is black or any kind of person that I'm calling out to use to say, see, I'm not racist. Yes. So this is a age again, y'all got, y'all gotta, if you want to listen, if you want to empathize and sympathize, you gotta listen. It goes back to our history. It goes back to our history. Is there a time where someone had someone black close to them and they were still upholding white supremacy. Yes, the way that we got over here. So it, this is an interesting question. Think about the slave owner hundreds of years ago who feeds the enslaved. They give them food, they give them clothes, they give them shelter. But if they tried to run away, they would be physically harmed or even killed. So they're providing all these nice things if they stay within their contract, essentially, which they did not sign and consent to. So is that person who says good morning to the slave, very nice, who, shoot, maybe reads the Bible. It's probably not the, it's probably a different version or you're probably leaving out certain verses, but you're reading scriptures to them. You're giving them maybe even quote unquote rewards for hard work. Are you still not racist? Yes. Because you are keeping this person in bondage, even though you're doing nice things on the side. So if you have a family member that's black, a friend that's black, and you do nice things for them, that doesn't mean you're not adding to the idea that white reigns supreme, that white reigns supreme. You could still be adding to that message. 
even if you have a black son, son-in-law, even if you, I'm telling you, I've seen it. And it was interesting that that speaker at the RNC, she has a, I think a biracial son, adopted son. And she said, you know, if the police treat him different, that doesn't make them wrong or racist. That makes them smart. Because look at the statistics. Black people are more uh, probable of doing violent crimes and uh, the chances of a black person being a suspect is higher. So if the police treat my son differently, then that's okay. That makes him smart, not racist. She couldn't even see it. That's disgusting. It's disgusting. Because she's probably the same person that says, the content of character. It's about the content of character. Wait, where the heck is content of character if you're saying the cops can treat your son different because of what he looks like? Where's the content of character? It doesn't exist. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you think she loves her son? Oh, she probably does. Quote, unquote, loves. Quote, unquote. But that shows you that love is misplaced. She probably cares for her son, but that love is so skewed. It's so wrong because she probably, I bet you she doesn't see race. I bet you she doesn't see race, quote unquote. And when you don't see it, you're not alert to the problematic and racist things that are happening. When you say, I don't want to see race, you're saying, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to talk about it. I'm done with it. I'm moving on. And you're gonna, your heart's going to be hardened to people who have genuine questions, comments, and concerns. So what you're saying is that when we don't try to care or we don't put forth effort in changing our language or in changing our thought process or, or whatever, whenever it comes to people that we love, that our love is therefore cheapened. Yes, it's not a it's not a genuine love. It feels right, but it's there's a deeper love that you're called to, mm-hmm. a sacrificial love, where you sacrifice your comfortability, you sacrifice time, you sacrifice resources to say, okay, how can I serve you? How can I, how can I count you more than me? That's the biblical message. It's like when you could make someone else's life more important than your own. That's the power of the gospel. To lose your life, you actually what? Gain it. You know, the first shall be last in the kingdom. And the last shall be first. You know, that's what Jesus said. Son of man came to serve, not be served. It's this idea of putting someone else before you. So apply that to race. If you see a black brother, sister in Christ hurting or out of Christ, an image bearer of our holy God, black, brown hurting, family member, friend, Apply that same kingdom mindset and principle and you'll see growth. You'll see the spirit work in your life. You'll see your eyes open, your heart break for things that never broke before. You'll see transformation in your life. You will. Because when you take the biblical principles, you know, and you apply it to the area of race, you know, we apply Christ to everything but race in the church. So sad. We apply Christ to football. (laughs) How are boys playing football? It's crazy. It's crazy. Like, we apply Christ to everything except for race. What is race like? Don't talk about it. Call it fine. <laughs> but, like, everything else, like, apply, air, you know, eat, sleep, everything to the glory of God except for race. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going there. It's weird. It's You could tell it's a stronghold. Hmm. Okay, so we could probably go on all night about different 
microaggressions that exist. These, the ones that we've pointed out and that we talked about tonight are seriously just probably the ones that we have either heard the most, that Austin's heard the most, or that I know that I've said before, different things that are, that are extra familiar to our family. But I do want to end on one that's very familiar to all of us. Mm. And it's, it's something that is viral. It's something that is, is said a lot and again i think that i think that in a lot of cases not every case but in a lot of cases the intentions are good however i'm just gonna let austin talk actually (laughs) um so austin what do you how do you feel whenever you see somebody post all lives matter Okay, someone said this beautifully online. It makes my stomach drop. Because where did I see all lives matter originally? When this country started, all men are created equal. Inalienable rights. You know, we all have the right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. While black people had chains around their neck, screaming out for justice, crying out for justice, and nobody listening. And here's the crazy part. someone t- I had a friend, a white brother, actually try to, make me feel better it made me feel worse so Austin you know um only third they say only 33 percent of white people own black people it was only 33 percent so I said do you not see how problematic that is that there was a two-to-one ratio and the two were silent and let the one do whatever they wanted that that's more scary to me so two people were willing to say that's wrong I shouldn't do it but they're not going to step up and tell that one person enough and that's what I'm seeing in our country today. Two non-racists and then the person who's actively racist promoting white supremacy, no one's calling them out. And so when you say all lives matter, I've heard that language before and it didn't apply to me. So I know there's no coincidence that all lives matter comes out in response to Black Lives Matter. If all lives matter exists, that's the umbrella. Black Lives Matter exists under the umbrella and you know there's a reason why it's hurtful to say white lives matter because that's been the message of our country (laughs) that's the history of our nation that white lives matter that's the history we've been fighting to count like that's why like white people when were you three-fifths human when were you counted three-fifths human you weren't when were you hung in a tree for reading? You you literally weren't. People would say, poor white people. There was white people that were poor back in the day. I know. And it was easier for them to work out of that poverty. Because they didn't have to deal with another white person jealous or upset or frustrated or mad <laughs> that a black person is trying to climb the social ladder over them. <laughs> like, that's real. That is real. And I encountered that mindset today. It's 2020. I still encounter that today. It's scary. So I tell people, we know that phrase all too well. And when you say all lives matter, I'm thinking, oh, goodness, help me, Lord. It's more of a response to Black Lives Matter. Yeah, say. it's a rebuttal, not a re- not just a response. It's a, you're trying to debunk Black Lives Matter. And that's just, it, to me, it's disgusting. Because if all lives matter, that should be something that's proactive, not reactive. 
You proactively tell people that. You don't reactively tell somebody. I mean, it, the parallels are so crazy. Like, so if it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we're focused on breast cancer. Yeah, but pancreatic cancer is the worst. Whoa, whoa, we didn't say it wasn't. We're focusing on breast cancer awareness right now. Doesn't mean the other ones aren't bad. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't focus on that. Right now, we're focusing on this one. Why are you bringing up something else? You're you're diverting. You're you're deflecting. And that deflection is harmful and it's painful and it's it's wicked. Honestly, it's wicked if I'm being honest with you. Now, here's the good thing. If you're a believer, you can repent and the Lord can forgive you. And he said he's faithful to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. But that will fall in the category of unrighteousness. It will. Thank you for talking about that, Austin. I know that it's it's hard to go to these places in your mind because these are things that you've experienced. It's not just it's not just words that I'm saying as a scenario, but they're things that you've actually heard. So I just want to say and again, we're we're sitting here and we have these conversations a lot, but that you being willing to talk about these things and help me understand has been an an undeserved gift it feels like and I'm just yeah I'm just grateful that you would help me and that and I hope and I pray that anybody who's listening to this that you don't feel condemned by the things that we're saying but you feel empowered to change and empowered to love better and to do that again intentionally to do that with effort because that's what it's going to take and like i said there are a lot more things that we could say tonight and there are a lot more things that you may be wondering about okay whenever i say this is is this racist is this promoting white supremacy am i saying this from a prejudiced place and if you have those questions or if you have those and you you don't have anyone in your personal life that you have you know, the freedom to talk to about that, then feel free to reach out to us. Um, our contact information is in the, the outro that like the exit of this podcast. And so please, please, please reach out to us if you have questions about words that you've said and, and we're happy to do it. I mean, I, I regularly will say to Austin, Oh my gosh, I just realized that this is a thing that I used to say all the time and we talk about it. And and that's important, and I think it's it's been helpful for me in my journey. So we just we just hope and pray that that these things are also helpful to you. And I want to say thank you, Lauren, and thank you for all the white brothers and sisters in Christ and white image bearers of God who are being honest, who are acknowledging things that they said that was wrong and repenting from that. That there's healing in that. There's hope in that. There's God's face in that of being able to humble yourself and say this is where I was wrong and I don't want to do that anymore and I want to help others not do it too mm -hmm. that is a beautiful thing in the eyes of God so thank you um like I love you Lauren I love y'all listening uh, it's not easy but it, it's powerful and um it's transformative when you're willing to repent 
and you're willing to look in the mirror and stop pointing the finger and say, what am I doing to keep this this evil, wicked idea of white supremacy going? What am I actively doing um, to promote that? And, and how can you push against it? Mm. And, and not just push against it, but offer um, truth. You know, don't just push against lies. We got to offer truth as well. Hey, guys, we are currently brainstorming ideas of things that we can continue to talk about throughout this first season of uh, Grace and Race. And so if you have ideas or if you have things that you're wondering about or specific questions that you have, please feel free to send those to us and we will make an episode answering some of those questions uh, to the best of our ability. And and that would that would really help us, too, because at the end of the day, we do this podcast um, in our bed now, not in our closet, uh, <laughs> to serve to serve other people and to hopefully bring these conversations outside of the walls of our home and into the walls of other people's homes. And that's that's ultimately what we're all about. So we want to know what you're wondering, what your thoughts are, what what you would like to know more about or what you would like to have conversations about. And we don't have all the answers. We don't represent everyone by any means. But nope. We do, we do open the door for conversation and for you guys to be educated more and for us to ultimately be educated more as we have these conversations together. Exactly. Sounds good. Awesome. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will chat with you again next week. Peace. Thanks so much for listening to Grace and Race. We hope you enjoyed our conversation and also took away some points so that you too can better commit to practicing anti-racism in your own family and community. If you want to stay updated on episodes and join further conversations, head to laurengroves.me backslash join our list. That's laurengroves.me backslash join our list to join our email list. You can also follow us on Instagram at lauren two underscores groves or groves 8070 to stay updated with our family and join conversations on our public platforms thanks for listening we'll chat with you again soon